universal energy, forming organic tribal algorithms that spans the globe, reaching down to its very core. This euphoric inspirational revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the ultimate underground. Welcome back to this edition of the Underground Experience with me, your host, Captain, and DJ, Uncle Earl. You see, I'm sounding very excited. We just got over Christmas, and we're on our way to New Year's 2012. Can you handle it? I'm so excited about the show today. I have two amazing guests. The first up it will be Mr. Party Charlie. He is the ultimate party planner to the stars, to dignitaries. On a global scale around the world, you won't want to miss this. And we're going to have a jam-packed second guest, Mr. Jimmy Z. Amazing multi-instrumentalist, artist, songwriter, has worked with Rod Stewart, Annie Lennox, John Lee Hooker, you name it, he's been at Etta James. So I'm going to start off with an indie group out of Alaska that I found, and their name is Fire on McGinnis, and this will set the tone for the party today. And their tune is called Bedlam Boys. Check this out. To sleep on home of Bedlam, 10,000 miles of travel. That my bed goes with dirty toes, for saver shoes from gravel. Still, I see funny boys, funny mad boys, then the boys are funny. They all go parrying and in the air, and they want no trick, no money. Went down to Satan's kitchen for the bed, my food one morning. There, I got some piping hot all on the spit of turning. Still, I see funny boys, funny mad boys, then the boys are funny. There I picked up a cauldron, well boiled a thousand harlots. Though for the flame I drink the same, can help of all such violence. Still I see party boys, party mad boys, little boys are funny. They all go fair and they live in the air and they want no drink, no money. My staff was murder giants, my bag along not carries. To cut 
shake when it is by me. Still I've seen party boys, party mad boys, and the boys are funny. They all go fair and they give in the air and they want no drink or money. No gypsies, like no doxy shall win my match home from me. Oh, we all like the stars on back, the frail will become me. Still I've seen party boys, party mad boys, fiddler boys are funny. They all go fair and they live in the air and they want no drink or money. It's when next I'm murdered, the man in the moon of powder His staff, I'll break his dog, I'll make the hell no demon louder Still I've seen funny boys, funny mad boys, peddler boys are funny They all go fair and they live in the air and they want no trick or money Hello ladies and gentlemen of the Underground Experience, how you doing? This is Uncle Earl, your host, Captain and DJ How you doing? You know, um... In these times when it's so stressful, sometimes you need to step out and have a ball. So today we are talking party, 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 party. We got a party like it's 1999. No, not. It's going to be 2012. But um, I have the ultimate, constant party planner here with me today. His name is Party Charlie, Mr. Charlie Scola. And he is a worldwide known phenomenon kind of guy. He will plan a party for two people, he'll plan a party for two million people, and anything in between. Um, I was introduced to him by a gentleman, Mr. Bob Mazza, who is a supporter of the Underground Experience, and I'm very excited about this. So I'm just going to, without further ado, I'm just going to bring him to you. Mr. Charlie, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, so man. Yeah, man. I'm excited about this. You know, because people think, oh, you just have a party, and it's just you throw some people together, get some food, and it's a party, put on some music. But really, if you really think about it, you really, it's very detailed work. That well, there's do. steps. There's yeah. steps. And like in anything, like any recipe, uh, not only what goes into it, but the order is also equally as important. Mm. Mm. And uh, on my book, Party Planning Secrets, I developed uh, a method called Five Steps to Create an Outrageously Successful Party. And what I do with the five steps is I teach people, and what they'll learn in my book is how to create the steps necessary to create the energy, because mm. that's what parties are. A great right. party is great energy. Yes, yes. So let's go back in time. All right. Let's go back to young party, Charlie. All right. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> well, I'm originally from New Jersey. uh uh-huh. And I uh, started in the uh, party planning business. Uh, well, let's say I started in the food business at 16, mm. working, uh, making sandwiches and bagels. And I worked next to Madison Square Garden at mm-hmm. a place called Lock, Stock, and Bagel. Anything you could imagine place. on a roll rye bread or a bagel. So you probably it. stood in the line in order to get a I nice... I probably have. It's beautiful. <laughs> I was a frequent was traveler on the Long Island Railroad. Right. Uh, <laughs> then you run right up One Penn Plaza, and we were right there. Yes. And, uh and then later on in years, I got myself a job as um, someone who moving tables and chairs around in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was learning how to be a welder and wow. while I was in high school. That's a stretch. So half-day <laughs> vocational, and then when I was done half-day school, half-day vocational, and then I would scoot mm-hmm. right over to the banquet center, move the tables and chairs around, set up for the parties, and I mm. would look around, and I'd see all these people dressed up, shaking hands, and I'm... You know, I, I, in the beginning, I was looking at, oh, look at these phony balonies, right. you know. <laughs> uh, you know, hello, Mr. Johnson, nice to see you. How's the wife? And I, I you know, I came from a tough town, and, yeah. uh, and I, I thought, oh, look at these guys. It was too much. But then it started to grow on me, and mm. I said, 
you know, maybe this is a life I like. You mm. know, getting dressed up, meeting nice people, mm-hmm. being respected, yes. giving respect. Yes. And uh, I, I looked at that, and I have to say that I started in um, Union, New Jersey, at a place called the Town and Campus, and they mm-hmm. had seven banquet halls. So anytime we could have seven parties going on simultaneously, wow. and many times we did. And you were running from room to room, huh? Well, you were assigned uh, one or two rooms that you had to do, uh, work on. You mm-hmm. couldn't possibly run all the rooms. Right. Uh, we had several maitre d's. There. I'm sure I some was, people tried. Yeah, well, you always <laughs> have. Yeah, you always have those. Overzealous. <laughs> uh, but I, I uh, was the youngest uh, banquet manager they ever had mm-hmm. at the age of 21, and everybody else was in their 40s. Wow. So I was very fortunate to um, to learn the business and have such a zeal for it and mm-hmm. really enjoy. It. And I. You know, got promoted, and then quickly I got sent up to uh, the area in West Orange, New Jersey, a beautiful mm-hmm. banquet center called the Town and Campus Goldman Caterers, up in West Orange, New Jersey, which we did kosher and non-kosher. Now, here I am, uh-huh. running around, doing the bar mitzvahs and the Hasidic wedding, yes. setting up the chosen's room, preparing the moti of the challah, the bracha, and all that. Yes. And I'm a little Italian Catholic right. boy, <laughs> running around with a yarmulke on, but I love I loved it. I learned so much. Got to be in it to win it. All the rabbinical rules I learned, and I had so much fun with it. And I said, what an interesting culture. And then so uh, when I got my vacation, I took off for Israel to check out Israel for a month. And that was very interesting. Now, were any of your family members in the catering business? My mom was a waitress. And my mom called me one day and said, they need somebody to help move the tables and chairs. And I said, okay, I, you know, I'm a young kid. I, I, you know, I need a job. I need to work, you know. So I went over there and I got my, uh, what I was supposed to do. And there was this banquet manager by the name of Julie. And I think she was older than Moses. And I come in and not even a hello, how are you, let me show you. You're Jeanette's kid, right? You're Charlie, okay. Now get in that room here, take this paper and set this up exactly according to the diagram. And she leaves. Right to work. I, I, I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at holding the paper, twisting it from side to side. Yes. I I couldn't make, because it's showing me where the dais is. And I'm looking, there's no dais. Mm. And so I go over to one of the guys and say, I'm trying to understand this. He goes, well, set the dais up. I said, well, where? I noticed that this is like an elevation. He goes, oh, the elevation platforms are in the closet over there. you got to take them out. So here I am loading up these <laughs> elevations. So, and after I did it once or twice, I, yeah, I really excelled it. at it. Cool. And it, it, became, it became a challenge uh, because what we would do is set one room up for cocktail parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would leave into another room for the dinner. We turned the cocktail party room over for a dinner for the other party that was in a cocktail party in another room, mm-hmm. then turned that over for another party coming in. Wow. So we were, it was like... Uh, Nonstop. It was, I have to tell you, just an amazing, amazing experience. And we did some amazing parties. I had met uh, Gerald Ford when he was running for president. I uh, served Jimmy Carter. Uh, Well, Ford was president. Uh I met Jimmy Carter while he was running for president. I personally served him lunch up in one of the bridal suites that we had set up really beautiful. Any of that contained peanuts? No. (laughs) You probably (laughs) thought we served him a peanut butter and jelly. Actually, to this day, I remember the sandwich. Oh, you do? It was very simple. He just, him and his wife, very simple. They just wanted a little cup of fruit and a a tuna sandwich. And it was just very simple. simple. 
you know, when you're on the campaign trail, uh, they're, they're not big on eating and especially, um, you know, it's interesting if you ever go to a political dinner or things like that, you very seldom see the politicians uh, who are going to be speaking eating. Right. They nibble a little bit, but they don't really eat. Uh, because they don't want to be full. Well, not only that, for photo ops, they never want to have a faux pas talking and having a piece of food fly fly, fly across <laughs> the lettuce on the table. the lettuce yeah. on the table. So, <laughs> so if you ever go to those political events, you'll you'll notice they eat, uh, generally before they come to nice. the event, and then definitely eat after. Uh, uh, except for Senator Kennedy, I mean, he had no problem eating prior to an event. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah, had a watermelon sure. in his lap. Oh God! Right. Oh God! He could eat. He, <laughs> he could, could eat. <laughs> But I met him several times. I have a great picture of he and I, and he actually signed it because I, I did a uh, brunch one time out here in Calabasas, mm-hmm. um, Calibu, Mal- Malibu border, and it was a beautiful estate, and um, it was a brunch. And I noticed the senator and his wife weren't eating, so mm-hmm. I said, Senator, I noticed you're not eating. I said, uh, is there something I can get? He goes, well, we already had a breakfast this morning, so we didn't want to have two breakfasts. I said, well, I have an amazing uh, Lasagna, that's a staff meal with a Caesar salad. He goes, mm. would there be enough for my wife? I said, absolutely. So we provided him with that. And mm-hmm. he had met me before, so he knew who I was. Right, right. So we fed him um, We fed him that meal, and after it was over, it was great. And I got photo ops with him. And then two months later, I get a call from the client. says, Ted's coming back to town. He doesn't want to do another brunch. He wants a lunch, and he wants your lasagna. All right. So I, we made the lasagna, uh-huh. and I brought... My picture of he and I together, mm-hmm. and he signed it. Says Charlie, your lasagna is great, and so are you. Oh. And uh, that, by the way, that lasagna is from my mom's recipe. And cool. I got to tell you, <laughs> I can't give the recipe out because uh-huh. uh, if I tell you, I have, have to, to kill, kill you. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's a, I, you know, growing up with Italian food. Yes. What are you going to do? You know, you uh, yes, love well, it. Everybody loves Italian love food. It. Yeah. And um, I just. You know, I was very lucky. Uh, I feel I was very lucky to grow up in part of New Jersey that uh, a lot of family, a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel blessed that I uh, continued my life here in California. And I'm out here 30 years. Mm-hmm. I moved out here at 24 and a half, uh, almost 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you thought you were talking 19, 24 and a half. No. No. <laughs> no. Do I look that old? No, just kidding. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I just wanted to bring up something. In your green room here, I sat in a chair. It looks like a recliner. It has to be the most uncomfortable recliner in the world. I have to tell you, I think that the electric chair is probably more comfortable. Oh, wow. But then again, even if the electric chair is not that comfortable, it doesn't matter how long you actually right, you're in not it. Gonna be, exactly. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be it's there too short, long anyway. It's a short stay. <laughs> yeah, that's our thing. You know, we yeah. don't make you too comfortable in there. Right. You know, keep you on your toes. Oh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Party Charlie. We have so much more to cover. Please hang around. If you want Party, he's got it for you. We'll be right back right after this.
receptacle for toys and cars and some small electricals. And I surf for one find the most incredible how much fits in the son of a gun. Hey, red Christmas sock is cheap and reusable, but one thing is not as machine washable. Mom did that and it was unrecognizable. We had to go get another one. Oh, red Christmas sock, you hang in that spot. Party Charlie, and um, I want to read a little piece of his book. It's from the forward, and it goes as such. In today's hectic world, we need to take advantage of every excuse to have a party. Partying, celebrating, and socializing releases positive energy and reminds us of who we are as human beings. Parties and celebrations help to bring us together so we can celebrate life and one another. Celebrating with one another reignites our sense of community. We are one country, one world, one people. Join me in making it a better world, one party at a time. Now, how beautiful is that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. That is wonderful. It's interesting. I've heard other people talk about this, that they've written things or they've done songs or they've done lyrics like Bob Dylan. Yes. And he said he didn't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. And during an interview, they were questioning him, and he said, I, I don't know where it came from. He goes, well, what do you mean? It just came out. There are things that I've written in the book here, and I've gone back and read, mm -hmm. and I almost think, I, I don't clearly remember where it came from, where my experience was, but subliminally, mm. uh, subconsciously rather, it's it's in there. Yeah. And it's it's something that I've picked up little pieces of crumbs throughout my life. And this is the loaf of bread that yes. I've been able to deliver yes. from picking up the crumbs. And it all came together mm -hmm. in a moment of me sitting down quiet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting when the mind is quiet, when you quiet yourself mm -hmm. down, is when your brain really is yeah. in overdrive and can really bring out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like I say, through the crumbs, I baked a beautiful loaf of bread mm -hmm. there. It's like making soup, too, the ingredients. Little by little, you put, in, you put in the best, yeah. you put in the best, and uh, the yeah. results is amazing. Yes. So um, coming back to this, you, I mean, you've planned parties, like I said, for two people, up to thousands of people. 7,000 was the largest 7, I did. But I like when you said millions, because if somebody called me and said, <laughs> we have a party we need you to do for a million people. You do it. Uh, you know what I would do? <laughs> I'd say, well, give me the details and yeah. what's the date. And I, and I would just you go would through my usual mechanics. Get it done. And, you know, doing larger events... Um, of course, for something like that, I pull every event planner caterer together in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Hey, it's all about community. Exactly. You know yeah. what? You you don't know. You know, no man's an island. You don't do things on your uh, on your own. Exactly. Uh, you know, we need people. Everything. If there were no people, what would you be doing things for, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, when people get a tattoo and they go, "I did it for me." Well, actually, guess no, you what? Didn't. You know, you didn't do it for you because right. guess what? If there were no people around. Why would you put it on? What are you right. doing it for? Exactly. Um, <laughs> people will debate me on that. No, no, no I really want to do it for myself. That's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. um, tell yourself what you <laughs> like. But, uh, 
you know, uh, one of one of the things I, I've always felt that is interesting is how the energy is naturally created um, when you put the pieces of the puzzle together correctly. Mm -hmm. and, one of the things I talk about is the five steps to create an outrageously successful yes. party. And step number one is the highly creative invitation with high energy words. A lot of people worry about the font and all that. And nobody really, the font doesn't change anyone's feelings. But when you read a word that's exhilarating, that's yes. exciting, that's yes. motivating, that moves you. Step number two, you've got to... Greet people at the entrance. I liken it to walking into a restaurant and the maitre d' standing there and you walk in and he's on the phone. There's no acknowledgement. You're standing there and you're with your date and you're kind of getting on eggshells yeah. and wondering if you're seen. And finally, he looks up to you and he says, yes, can I help you? <laughs> uh, as if you're there like, to buy a set of tires. Maybe. <laughs> As opposed to walking in, the maitre d's on the phone, he excuses himself from the phone and looks at you with a big smile. Hi, folks. I'll be right with you. By the way, your conversation in that waiting time now mm -hmm. turns to, oh, smell that garlic? Oh, mm -hmm. look at these paintings. You look engage at this. yourself. Now you, now you feel comfortable, yes. and it's almost permission to do anything you want, as opposed to the other, the conversation is, does this guy even see me? Right. I mean, are we invisible? Right. And your experience starts right there. So when we greet guests at the entrance, mm -hmm. we greet them with a welcome drink, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic. We, we, we give them a sense of belonging yes. because that's, that's the key. You have to give people a sense of belonging. Step number three, mm -hmm. you've got to create the ambiance. Mm -hmm. And don't have the music at a level 10 when they mm -hmm. walk in. This is the time that people are meeting and mingling. Let them talk, gradually mm -hmm. raise, raise it. But do some decor. If you don't have a lot of money, do something. If it's at your own home, move the furniture out, open mm. up the area, change the light bulbs to pink. It really enhances the mood of the party. Step four, give your guests something to do. Very important. And in my book, Party Planning Secrets, uh, I have 25 plus things to do. Like little activities. Activities because everybody thinks eating and drinking is something to do. <laughs> we do that every day. Right. That's I mean, that's you know, the only difference at a party, you didn't have to cook it. <laughs> Right. But at a restaurant, you're not cooking it. So, exactly. But what you want to do is you want to make sure you give your guests something to do. And last but not least, fabulous food and beverage. Now, you notice I didn't say expensive. Right. Just make it fabulous. Make sure you have a variety. Include vegetarians. Big thing now is gluten-free. Mm. Uh, also, match your, uh, pair your wines up. That's a nice thing to do. Pair beers up. Uh, that's nice. Or have a signature cocktail, something uh, like that. Something special. Exactly. And people like that. That's your five steps. Great. And that creates the energy, and it keeps the energy going. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. So okay. now this season, here's a message for everybody. Mm. This season, everybody, throw a little something. Throw a little something. Get some people together and do a little something, even if it's a potluck, mm -hmm. even if it's just something inexpensive. Have a pizza party. Anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes impromptu is the best. Exactly. Just yeah. Office parties. A lot yeah. of companies are not throwing office parties because the liability these days and the expense. You know what? Mm -hmm. Get your own office party going. <laughs> and guess what? That person who's in the office that yes. most people, he may be the jerk or she may be the jerk. Invite them. Mm -hmm. Make sure you include them. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see people change. 
you know, they come in as caterpillars and leave mm -hmm. as butterflies. Yeah. And that's, that's your job this season. Right. And I have to tell you, you do that this season, I promise you a beautiful 2012. All right. Well, I want to toot your horn a little bit. I heard you have some cameras following you around for a special project. Um, actually, <laughs> I yes, I'm working on a reality <laughs> show right yeah. now. And um, I can't talk too much okay. about it, but... Yeah. Um, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be pitching it, and um, so well, ho hopefully, hopefully by the end of January we're done shooting, and it's it's definitely filled with a. It's not your typical reality show where people are gonna be screaming and yelling at one another, <laughs> but it's throwing it, food. It, it is loaded. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's food. There's amazing entertainment in mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. There is going to be design in it. There's going to be mixology in it. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be people who ordinarily you wouldn't think would be able to be involved in this, mm -hmm. who we are taking people and we are going to change their lives All for the right. better. Okay? All right. Okay? Change their lives. That's nice. for sure. And I'll tell you, if I can change one life a year, I'll tell you, my purpose in life is then fulfilled. There you have it the humble words of Mr. Charlie Scholar. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. in with me today. I really appreciate this, and I look forward to uh, building a friendship and Wonderful. keep in touch with me. And, you know, every once in a while, come on back and let Uncle Earl know what's going on in your world. I will, and I'd like okay. to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Whatever you celebrate, celebrate it with a smile, okay? And, and, and as soon as you get up from your desk or wherever you're at right now, get up, walk by somebody, say hello to them, Give him a pat on the back. Give him a smile. Start your holidays off a, a little early. We're in December, which is the greatest month to smile. I smile all year, all year round. But <laughs> go give somebody a smile right now for Party yeah, Charlie. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there'll be more right after this.
guy and um <laughs> aspiring, aspiring singer kind of kind of new on the scene you might have heard him around you know playing around Santa Monica Promenade and stuff like that but um <laughs> I happened to scrape him up <laughs> shove him into the studio clean him up uh, and I got him here there how you doing Jimmy I was doing fine man I'm not, my ego is just totally in the gutter now <laughs> oh, damn. damn I'm sorry about that I'm cool I'm yeah, cool good. I'm good man. but I must so, say that um I, I uh, treasure your friendship We've known each other for quite a while. I got you, brother. Back yeah, I have to preface this, but we... I won't do that right now. I want to get into you first, and then we'll get back how we, you know, got our feet yeah, together. But where, where's Jimmy Z hail from? Before I say that, then that, tw- that $20 yeah, you owe me, right, I forgot. Before the accident. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, Against popular opinion, everybody thinks I'm from back east, uh, New York, and everything, and I, I take it as a compliment mm-hmm. and everything. But I find them people from back east a bit slow. Oh, oh, <laughs> hey, what, what you talking about, Willis? I'm from back east. So what I, mean? so I gotta suffer. <laughs> <laughs> no, believe it or not, like I'm from I'm from California, from okay. Sacramento, mm-hmm. California. Born and raised, where they keep the money. Until uh, is that right? No, there ain't no the money. Treasury up there. No money yeah, up there. The, well, you know, oh no, there might be up there, but there's no money in that's it. That's the DMV. Sorry, <laughs> it's the capital, man. Yes, I'm a capital okay. homeboy, right. man. All right, you remember them? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I was born and raised there. Then I came down to LA. I think when I was 26, around mm-hmm. 79, 80. Wow, you that old? I'm very old. Oh, man. Damn, you're very still old. here, but I look damn good. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. And I'm very humble. <laughs> I see that. I see that. So, but um, now let me ask you this: What was the beginning of your musical career? The be- the very beginning. What was the impetus to make you pick up an instrument and start playing? You know, my brother, may he rest in peace, Gary. He, he, Gary Zavala. He, you know, this is like the late '60s, and we we shared a room together mm-hmm. in my parents' home, and. Uh, you know, when in like 1967, 68, I was like 12, 13. He mm-hmm. was like 18 and doing, and like Jimi Hendrix was coming out of the Stones. And, you know, they've been out a while, but like he had all the records and he was really into blues and mm-hmm. rock. And the whole thing happened on the West Coast scene. San right. Francisco's close. So, anyway, I, I always, you know, from listening to Sly and the Family Stone, the Stones, Beatles, Motown, everything. And 
I would always, like everybody else, dream about playing something. All my friends played guitar and uh -huh. had lessons, but my parents really couldn't afford that. Or, right. And I didn't, so I would, they'd laugh at me. <laughs> I'd play the tambourine or clap, you know, <laughs> offbeat. And like, yeah. So I found an old crusty harmonica in a drawer, you know, a kitchen drawer yeah. of one of my friend's house. And, uh, you know, I just picked it up and started blowing the damn crusty thing crusty. And, I, and i i never stopped I, I annoyed everybody you know i didn't realize then you had to change harps to different keys you know but like i just played and played yeah. and uh, you know i i got good really fast but mm. my brother really helped because he played a little sax and harp and okay. had good records to listen to but but he used <laughs> he used me but he, he took me <laughs> it was my 13th birthday in 1968 yeah. and he said i'm i'm he asked my parents if he could take me to a concert uh -huh. for my birthday, and it yeah. was like, it was actually my birthday is February 7th, but it was on February 13th. I never forget this day. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a Jimi Hendrix concert wow. at uh, Sacramento State Girls Gym. Mm. And man, it, it just totally flipped everything in my mind, changed, changed, changed my life. Your, and yeah. I said, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but i got to do something to be up there. And it was like, uh, I thought I'd never seen so many people. And I think there was like 3,000 people, you know. Wow. It, was like, it was overwhelming. It was just really cool. So I, that did really, you get to meet Hendrix? I never, no. I never did, but no. he was a big influence on me because I always, well, I know it's, it's uh, it, it, I don't do illegal drugs anymore, but I did <laughs> take acid at the time as a young lad. and I, At I 13? At 14. 14. And, well, I, and I, I, used to, I had, my brother got kicked out of the house for selling pot, and he, <laughs> and he took all those records, but he left uh, Cream, Disraeli Gears, Axis Bold as Love, and uh, a Buffalo Springfield record. And mm -hmm. if I hear any of those songs, I know what is coming in the sequence. It's indelibly burned in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it all over and all over and all over all night, you know. So anyway, <laughs> that kind of like you know, I just really got into the blues. You know, the the Stones first, England's newest makers. I loved listening to them, and then I, you know, my brother would turn me on to like uh, Muddy Waters, mm. and Little Walter. I found, and he was like, now still is like most heart players for blues harmonica players yes, yes. The, 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 the mentor for all of us so and I started bands when I was 16 I, w I got really good fast first it was like put the thing away and then after a <laughs> while like when I was a sophomore and junior in high school yeah. it's like hey Jimmy play you know and I said yo now you know me <laughs> <laughs> I used to do back then I don't know if it's still the same in high school we'd have five minutes to change classes go to your locker and, right, and right. I, I went to a, a school Highlands High where it's there's a, there's a lot of brothers, you know, mm -hmm. as in, as there would be. Did yeah. you fit in? I, I think I, I couldn't help it. This couldn't is what happened. <laughs> but they, they, there was a thing. There would, they'd always be a bunch of brothers, and like you know, like a lot. Yeah. I, I used to like to go to the bathroom and play because it was tile back then. With your instrument, yeah, I hope. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 well, let's be specific. With yeah. my harmonica. Okay. Because and I would play, and it got, word got out. You know, hey, Jimmy's playing. And, we'd, and after a while, I'd be like, hey, where's Jimmy playing on this? Uh, you know, break. You know. Mm -hmm. And all the brothers would be smoking cigarettes, and I'd be blowing. They all be clapping, and then a teacher coming and going, "All right, everybody, throw them cigarettes down." And who's playing that damn harmonica? Zavala, I know it's you. You know, so I got to be known. But at that time, I was starting to play in bands that my brother yeah. introduced me to. Mm -hmm. Older cats like Nate Shiner, blues band, and I met Rick Astrin, who's now very well known, mm -hmm. successful 
harmonica player, Little Charlie and Nightcat. So Sacramento was really cool then in the late 60s, early 70s. So there was a heavy flux of musicians coming through. Really good, like from Muddy, Luther Allison, uh, James Cotton. They'd play the circuit, but they'd be in San Francisco, but they'd come and hang in Sacramento. I, my theory is because it was like really cheaper to live, mm -hmm. nice Victorian homes, and a lot of pretty women you know? <laughs> and a lot of wide open space and you could play yeah that too but downtown <laughs> is like it's really cool yeah. so anyway it was really good for me I as a young a young lad as Rod Stewart <laughs> would say I, I'd opened up for Albert King James Cotton yeah uh, just a lot of really yeah. great acts speaking of Rod Stewart you worked with Rod Yes, I did. Uh, I, I got with Rod. Shoot, I'd moved to L.A. in 19, August 1980. By six months later, I was playing with him. And he's another guy I saw in concert. I saw a lot of great concerts back then when I was 14. And you could see concerts for $2 wow, and stuff. Wow, isn't that something? And, and I saw Rod Stewart in the faces like right before Maggie May, And I, they blew me away. It was like, mm. what a show. Mm. It was like amazing. Mm. Now, how, But how amazing is that to actually watch someone and then turn around and you're on stage with them it was it, i was i was stoked <laughs> i was tripping you know because and now i think about it sometimes you think you forget about it but if you think, i think oh my god i saw that guy when i was 14 mm -hmm. and within like 11 12 years i was touring the world with right. him and he would feature me rod wow. was really good to me he uh, he, he would like say you know, he, it's all yours. It could be 20,000 people to <laughs> up to 300,000 people. No joke. Mm. In rock and reel. And, and it would just be me and my harmonica and the crowd. And I'd do this thing. I'll play maybe a little thing I used to do with mm. it. Back well, why don't you give him a little taste? Yeah. <laughs> and I used to do this thing. And picture 300,000, you know, crazy Brazilians that I'd start slow like this and they'd mm. start clapping with him. And I got him now. They're, good. Right. They're clapping with him. <laughs> I got him. And then I do this. Something like that, and then they just go. I never forgot that one. It just washed over me like. Must have been a rush. Total rush, and there were a few other things that helped that along. At that time, it was the rock and roll standard. I mean, two weeks in Rio, but like nothing like that. That's one thing, you know. Drugs cannot come close to the rush of thousands of people like going nuts over what you're I doing know, so right. anyway rod he, he was really good in that sense of just turning me loose on the world you know cool well let's take a little break on that let the audience just really let that sink in and see what they're about to get into ladies and gentlemen i'm here with the one and only mr jimmy z we'll be back with more right after this break <laughs> here on the Underground Experience with me, your host, Captain and DJ, Uncle Earl, here at KCLAFM and KLED Live. How y'all doing? You still hanging in there with me? 
I hope you are because there's so much more in store. I'm here in studio with my buddy, Mr. Jimmy Z. How you doing, Jimmy? Man, I'm living large with my buddy Lace. Yeah, you was blowing the axe for me, man. <laughs> I like when you blow. <laughs> Easy, fella. Whoa, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're just sitting here having fun and uh, re- can- rehashing the past. <laughs> And we're going to come up into the future. But before we do that, totally, I want to talk about a few more people that you have worked with. I mean, you worked sure. with uh, sure. Eurythmics. Yes. And the one and only Miss Etta James. Etta. Now, how is that? Etta. She calls you her honey man, right? Hoochie coochie. Hoochie man. coochie man. There you go. I know someone ain't <laughs> it, ain't that, it ain't that romantic. Okay, not, not <laughs> a man too romantic for Etta. Okay. You're my hoochie coochie man. Get down there. <laughs> do as you're told, hey. boy. <laughs> <laughs> but how was how that experience? Man, it was like, it was a gas. It was sometimes just totally, like, frustrating. Sometimes it's just euphoric, just doing mm. some of the greatest soulful, bluesy stuff and, and dealing with a, just a, a, just a genius, genius. Le- uh, you know, legend. legend, but, like, still, she still had it to the very end, you mm. know. That's what was strange about it all, but, like, I... I feel so very fortunate. You know, I played with off well straight for like about ten, twelve years, mm. and then off and on, I had to, I had to leave and play with a couple other people, <laughs> make a little more money, Gosh, which darn. which uh, didn't sit well with Miss Ed. But no thing like money getting away. <laughs> Look at you. I know she. Yeah, you know women, man. You know, I know that's you, right. What you what? <laughs> you you don't want my money. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so I uh, met you. I can tell you quick. Here's a. You, can you got time for a quick yeah. Etta story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were playing the one of my favorite places, the the Monterey uh, Blues Festival, and it's on that same stage where like Jimi Hendrix was kind of made his big splash and mm-hmm. lit his guitar on fire. You know, <laughs> a lot of history on that stage. So anyway, we're headlining, right? Yeah. And uh, and at the time, Etta was still a big lady. You know, she was like healthy, big, mm-hmm. big. And she's got an ample bosom, to say the least, you know. So, so we're, we're playing, and it's one of them nights. It's like a festival, you know. So people have been listening to music all day, so they, they got a nice little bu- groove going, a buzz, and it's five, and we're, we're killing. We're killing. Yeah. And they, we had this song, a Jimmy Reed song, you know, uh, Bright Lines, Pixie, you know, she mm-hmm. got me running. So I'd come down from the horn bandstand, and I'd have my harp amp, and I was next to Etta. Yeah. So I would play my solo and we do and then I'd hand it back and she was sitting. She could stand but she was sitting like in this this um, custom seat mm-hmm. throne if you will. And I oh, would like I would I would hand off the solo back to her and kneel like Sir Lancelot in front of her yes. and she she'd start playing with my hair and uh, talking dirty and uh, saying uh, naughty stuff as Etta only mm-hmm. Etta can do and you know we it, beca- <laughs> it became a bit, right? We yeah. do. So anyway, we're doing this show and I and I she keeps on, nah, Jimmy's they keep playing, so I keep playing and the crowd goes wild and I, I hand it off to her and like she was wearing a really really sexy, you know, evening gown and her, her, her I mean her 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 cleavage must have been fourteen inches, you know. Let's give you an idea how big her tits was. And let's just let's say it, you know. Okay. So I kinda leaning down to go in and at that moment and I got the harp up in my mouth and mic and she took this opportunity just to grab the back of my head and shove my head into her tits. Okay. And I went, I sunk past my ears. And I'm in there, you know. I'm, I'm in deep. <laughs> and, I, and she ain't letting me up. Okay. She, and I'm, so I'm still in playing. And I kind of tried to get out. 
<laughs> and and I'm on my knees and I'm you know I'm just facing her tits right. and, and she's holding me and she's got some big paws at that time she was just strong so I didn't try and get out I you said so holding me so in Texas I'm, I'm, and I st- and I, you got it man and I'm playing so I keep playing I'm going oh my god I'm playing in that of James Tits. Wow! And I, you know, I can smell this perfume and sweat. I can, I can hear the crowd distantly, right. somewhere surreal, just going crazy. And she's laughing, man. She's liking. She's kind of like shaking a lot. Just, uh-huh. It was fun. So I just keep playing. I'm kind of like doing a <laughs> motorboat thing uh-huh. by playing harmonica. <laughs> so finally, she lets me up, and I kind of. I play acted like I was drunk or something like you know, dizzy, but right. it wasn't far off. I wasn't right. playing, and, and the crowd was just on the feet going bananas. It was just, it was funny, and she was just so. Wait, can you spell hyperventilation? Oh my God, man! <laughs> I, it was yeah. I never forget it. Hey, I know that's right. We love that. We love stories like so that. So that we was one that. side of Edda and me, yeah. you know. I'm write a blog on my website, mm-hmm. ztribe.com. Mm-hmm. There's some other Edda stories in there, and they're pretty funny. Cool, cool. Now I want to I want to flip it, and switch okay. it. I want to get to us. Yes, man. Yeah, we met at a very pivotal pivotal time in my life. Uh-huh. Um, I had recently moved to LA. You know, from New York. I've been here for a while, you know, doing my thing you as a dancer. You were a dancer, man. Yeah, you know, and I was, um, you know, trying to ex- actually excel into the choreography field a little bit more, and you gave me a really big shot. Oh, I, I, did, I, did, I did not. I thought you had already been doing it. You I, lied. No, I, no, no, no. I mean, I've been doing my thing in Europe and Asia. You know, out, yeah, you know, you, I, you, you know how you Michael had, Jackson and everybody right. and all that it's stuff. It's like Josephine, but everybody had to go away to Man, do their I'm thing. Man, I'm still doing it. I'm still <laughs> to, to I go to Europe. Take you serious, you know? Yeah. I was like, I can do this. They're like, yeah, but what have you I done? Understand. Give me a chance, you know? So, and I you understand. gave me, you know, a really good oh, opportunity and chance, and I appreciate you it. You deserve it, man. This guy can hell of a choreographer, and he brought some very nice, pretty dancers into my world. Hello. I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> it's still possible. I, I got kid. So anyway, yeah, you we, you come. What was the what was, was the that? project? Funky flute. And who it, was the, who was the producer, artist, and all that? Jimmy Z. Yeah. N.W.A. But who was the big guy? N.W.A. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Yes. Our brother. Yes. And um, then Mr. Gary Ballin. And Gary Ballin yeah, was, uh, was my there. manager, vice president. Yeah. Of, uh, Ruthless Records. Yes. Jean Pellerin. Jean Pellerin was the director. director. Yes, and we were introduced by my good friend Donna. Donna Schwartz. Donna Schwartz. Hell of a dancer. Great girl. She's still my girl. Sexy girl. That's my baby. Yeah, so we had a great time. We went down to the the, uh, show in Chicago. We did. The time on the Learjet. I listened to this, people. (laughs) There was no Learjet, man. That was like a G4 or 5, man. That was a Time Warner private jet. We were living large Mm. back then, people. Had no idea. We were flying with the... (laughs) It was horrible. It was me lacing about... Nine beautiful women on a plane. Yes, with Big Mike. Right. You know, <laughs> nothing bad happened. Nothing. It was, it was all great. Good. The whole the whole weekend was great. You know man, I mean? we did the weird convention in yes. Chicago, and man, I remember playing. I was because Dre was gone off with Doctor was Suge then Suge mm. Knight, and that was, all that sh- the stuff was going down. Right. So we had another guy fill in doing Dre's part in the song. We did Funky Flute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you know the the record is funny. Right. If you just take it with tongue in cheek, yeah. you'll understand where we're at. But like in the front row, the front table, we're at this big hotel in Chicago. Was like Bill Graham, uh, Ahmed Erdogan, mm. uh, Doug Morris, just all these heavyweight right. guys. You know that I respected. I mean, I 
and we're playing to a backing track, but I, have, I was playing my flute live and singing live and playing my harmonica. Right. It's something, you know, I'm used to playing with bands. And right. Maybe we did that one song <laughs> where I tore it up at the end on harp, man. And I never forget, man, that Jerry Heller, you know, the legendary Jerry Heller, yes. he goes, Almond Arrogant wants to talk to you. I said, no problem, man. He goes, so like, let's go. You know? So he comes backstage, and man, Almond, man, it's one of those dream moments for mm -hmm. me. He goes, Jimmy. You gonna be a big superstar? He couldn't be right about everything. Right. So anyway, <laughs> a, I said, B, "Well, B. thank you." He goes, I, "I just want one thing from you, Jimmy." I said, "You name it, man." He goes, "I buy, the, I buy the first drink." I said, "No problem." <laughs> <laughs> I want to just hang out with you and have a drink. Nice. I said, "Done deal, man." Nice, nice. <laughs> it was very that was, cool. That was cool. I mean, that was that was one of the best experiences of my life, seriously. And then we killed because man. I mean, and you guys were so gracious and open. You're like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, what do you want to do? I know like, what are you going to do? You know, so it's like everybody, no one stepped on anybody's toes. Nah, everybody, everybody do their thing, and it yeah. just went off like. There was so much, on. so much talent and creative great. people it involved. It's like, hey, do your thing. <laughs> do your it's thing. Great. Can I do mine? Yeah. <laughs> don't mess with me. <laughs> He's like, don't make me dance. <laughs> I was like, oh, can you do that, that little so shuffle? You did one thing for me. You did a little shuffle thing. You know, oh, no. a little slide thing. He, I was he, like, he choreographed it, folks. <laughs> No dancing, motherfucker. All right, well, you know, I think we should let them get a little taste of it. Okay. Uh, how about, flute. ladies and gentlemen, check this out. This is a little piece of Mr. Jamie Z with Funky Flute. Oh, All my right. God. Here we go. So yo, won't you just come closer So you can see who's playing that funky sound That's going down and you're saying that Jimmy Z is the one you like to see On the F-L-U-T-E, yeah Underground experience with Uncle Earl. Just doing the darn thing. Doing the darn thing the way it should be done. Now, what I want you to do is take another step back with me in time. We're going to be talking to the man about a few other people that he worked with that you know so, oh so well. Oh my. And one of those names is Miss Lennox. Annie Lennox. Of the Eurythmics. My baby. Yeah. <laughs> So, so tell me, how was how were you introduced to her, first of all? Well, I, I had been working with Tom Petty, and through that, I toured with him, and I worked with Dave Stewart, because mm -hmm. they wrote the song, Don't Come Around Here yes. No More. So, long story short, we got to know each other good, and he started calling me for sessions in L.A., mm -hmm. Stevie Nicks, and all, blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh -huh. So, I get this call about eight months later, it's like, I'll try and do Dave's accent. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> We're, we're, me and Annie in my flat in Paris, and we're wondering if you could come over and 
blow wind down bits of metal for <laughs> us. Uh, my number is, oh, I forgot. I'll call you back. I'm going, oh, fuck. Oh, man. <laughs> he forgot his number. Yeah, and then, like, I don't hear from him for two weeks. I'm going crazy. I'm going, oh, wow. man. So, anyway, I had I'd met Dave, but I didn't know him. So, I, I, get, I, I go over there. I was supposed to go for a week or two, you know, and I bring all my saxes mm-hmm. and my harmonicas and flutes and right. blah, blah. <laughs> so, I get to the airport in Paris. Flew over with Phil Chin, great bass player. He's played with Rod Stewart, Jeff mm. Beck, and a lot of people. And, he, and we we get there, and there's no one to pick us up for okay. three hours. And it's like, it's go- I'm going, man. Is your first time over there? No, I had plenty of friends mm-hmm. in Paris and right. girlfriends, a whole bit. Okay. I'm going, I was so mad at myself. <laughs> so finally this, this guy comes and goes, oh, it must be you. And it's about five in the afternoon. And he goes, well, you want to go to the studio or to your hotel? And I looked at Phil, and I hadn't shaved. I was my hair sticking up. You know, it was like, we've been traveling 15 hours. And, and you know, yeah, let's go to the studio. What the hell? Mm. You know, and I'm thinking your rhythmics, techno pop. I don't know what to expect really too much. But, like, right. man, we get in the studio, and it sounds like ACDC. They're going, bang, bang, bang. You know, and I meet Annie in there. They're yeah. smoking some kind of stuff in these little, <laughs> you know, Heineken cans that are, crunched up to make me into a pipe they're drinking tequila it's it's on i'm going yeah you're with me so i'm just kind of trying to fit in as i would right and phil put some bass on this song that will tell you what it becomes in a minute and so you know i'm just kind of grooving sitting on a couch in the control room and annie gets up she's to my left about 10 mm-hmm. feet and she goes all right i can't do a scottish accent she goes all right jimmy z come on play something for us you know and i said and i go oh you know in this stupor you know yeah no no problem and she looks and she goes no 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 you're jet lag and tired i was just kidding i'm going and i look at her like like hey put it up all right and she goes oh and i and i go oh so that's our that's our relationship that i'm going oh damn man i'm in it now i, got, right, I better fucking do deliver. it so yeah so i get out there with these french motherfuckers and i'm trying to get a sound in my heart and the song is like it hasn't been edited about eight minutes so Dave just goes look we're just gonna roll just play what you think mm. so it starts I go ah, I, didn't, I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> so anyway <laughs> is that a clue so anyway <laughs> I play this song and I figure I figure oh it must be a solo here and it's I'm getting dry, cotton mouth, Uh-oh. and it goes on, but I'm trying to be macho. I don't want to, like, say, oh, can you stop so I can drink? I was, like, just powering through it. And I finally finished, you know. It's just, like, I'm puffing and puffing, and I'm looking through the control yeah. window, and uh, they're all just looking at me. There's about 15 people just looking. I see silhouettes, and I'm going, not a good sign when you're Uh-oh. recording, you know, session guy. Right. You know, usually it's like, hey, that was good. Can you play another, or can you go back right. to this you one? Didn't say anything. You, know, you heard nothing. Nothing. And then... And then I hear Dave in the talk back. He goes, "Come on in," and it's like that's the real. That's like, oh god, it's, it was useless. They don't even want to hear it, you know. So I walk in, and they're all just looking at me like a freak, you know. <laughs> and and I said, uh, "No good, huh?" And Annie goes, "It's fucking brilliant, mate. It's fucking brilliant." I'm like, "Ladies and gentlemen, the- oh, <laughs> you know, wipe my forehead, like, oh, geez." Yeah. So that's how we. That's how our. Cool. Relationship started. Nice. It was really, really cool. Man, she's one of my favorite singers, and just not for the way she sings, but what she writes. Her lyrics mm. just slay me. It's just like make me cry. And she just and so much energy on stage. She's a real deal. Beautiful, beautiful. Real deal. Wow. And and with and on the travel thing, you've been traveling. You've been traveling lately. 
a lot. Yeah. I've been trying to catch up with you. You're like, I'm here, I'm going, I'm here. You've been over in Europe, yeah, doing your I, thing I, up, up in the Nordic yeah, I'm region. Yeah, in Sweden and uh, Finland mm. and up around there. Where I hooked up with this guy, Slide and Slim. He's mm. a really good slide guitar player, singer from Sweden. Mm-hmm. And uh, plays dobro and writes incredible, really good songs. And I have a Swedish friend that for many a 30 year friend from LA but he's back living there and he told me about him he said hey take a song of his off the of his site and play on it yeah because I was trying to get into this Link Choping Jazz Blues Festival uh-huh. couldn't couldn't get in and I'm going yeah right <laughs> so I did I ripped the song off his, uh, his site <laughs> sorry <laughs> slam it in paperwork uh, and I uh, put it in my uh, logic and I put some harp on it and yes. sent it to him and he dug it so nice through that, we get a gig at this Link Choping Jazz Blues Festival. Yeah. That was a year ago in uh-huh. October. And I told him, look, I'll, they you know, they sent me enough for a flight and got paid okay. And mm-hmm. I said, look, I'll come over early if you want to get a couple gigs. So, man, he ends up getting like a two-week tour together. Yeah, and we did good. Uh, agent saw us on one boat blues cruise to mm-hmm. Helsinki and... We got an agent, so we just then I, I went back in May, did yes. festivals, and then I went back for another mm-hmm. a month, <laughs> a month from end of September through Halloween, and mm-hmm. I, I headlined the Ling Choping Jazz Blues nice. Festival. But I did that, did most of the stuff with Slide and Slim, which I really enjoyed, just a duo. But I did it with I have a Swedish Z Tribe. Oh, full, you do full band. Yeah, I did a get out of here. Yeah, I, I get out of town. Yeah, man, we, we totally <laughs> tore it up. Man. Nice. They got great musicians there. Nice. So I got both things. I can do the duo thing, Slide and Slim and Jimmy Z, and uh, do that. Cool. So, you know, and we're trying to expand now into Germany and Norway and, you know, I just no build it up. Cause, but, you know, <laughs> I see just no trying problem. to do it. You know? I hear you. So, so now what can we look forward to in the future? Well, I'm, you guys. the near future, I'm playing New Year's, everybody. If you ain't got no plans, this is the place you want to be. Harvell's Blues Club in hey. Santa Monica, 4th and Broadway. Mm. It's a hell of a deal. Not only because you will see Jimmy Z, <laughs> the incredible Jimmy Z, <laughs> and the Z drive, but I believe it's seventy five dollars, and that and not you, bad, and all in, all your booze and free champagne at midnight. That's it. You pay seventy five bucks and. Uh, <laughs> That's a steal. And just get a designated driver. <laughs> That's a steal. It's a good time. You can yeah. dance. You can take it's a your good clothes club. off. Really Nobody good bothers now, you. Now, come there. on, Lace. <laughs> I was there. There's an alley in the back. I know about it. Oh, well, that's the alley. You know, I, we won't go there with the alley. <laughs> you can still hear the music, though. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a really good place if you've never been there. Yeah. You can dance. But it's not very big. I think they can fit maybe 150 in there or so, or a little more in the cram it. But, like, that's uh, Harvell's. In Santa Monica, I will be playing New Year's Eve. I hope, uh, hope you see you there. Cool. Well, I'm. You know, I could talk to you all day and all night. Nah, but, you know, we got to get out of here because you know life goes on. I know. You got insurance and things. You know. Hell out of here. I got a kitty cat. No. <laughs> So I gotta suffer. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but this has been great. I thank you so much for your time, man. Anytime. And you know, we got to do something together again. Anytime, man. Come down and this choreograph my band. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I, you know, you don't have to say that twice. I'll have them, you know, doing their little temptation. <laughs> dun, dun, horns. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. But thank you so much, man. And I wish you the best, health, well, wealth, right, success, right family, back to you, family, all that. All right. Anytime, my brother. Anytime. Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, this has been a spotlight moment with the man, Jimmy Z. Oh, can I tell them my website to go oh, to? Oh, please do. They can go to uh, ztribe.com, Z-T-R-I-B-E, ztribe.com, and then you can find out all my Facebook stuff, Jimmy Z and the Z-Tribe. 
come on board and uh, you'll we don't bug you but uh, just give us your email and we'll just send you if i'm doing concerts with at uh, my own band whatever cool that. and there'll be information on our website as well www.ultimateunderground.com what a great time we live in check it out <laughs> all right man thanks bro all right man see ya <laughs> Better believe 